Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. Amen. If you have a Bible with you or a device where you can come up with the scripture, we will be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, three verses. And if you would allow me this morning, I would like to give some background to the verse and the text that we will be preaching and ministering this morning. Uh, many times we share verses of Scripture, and I'm not sure that I do a very good job at times of sharing with you where the writer was or what he was going through when he wrote the text that we read. So this morning, if you will permit me, allow me, and just stay uh, bright-eyed looking toward the Scripture, and uh, let's take a look here at what's said first, and then let's look at where Paul the Apostle was when he wrote this very text of Scripture. What was going on in his life? Because it matters this morning. There's much going on in each of our lives, and the Word of God matters. It's to be applied. So if you have your Bible open, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Finally, my brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified as it were or as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now, this is Second Thessalonians. They were actually written in uh, close proximity when it comes to time. Paul the Apostle, if you want to get a real good look of the writings of, especially Paul's writings and Peter's work, if you will begin to read the book of Acts. So the book of Acts gives you kind of the order and you'll understand what towns Paul was going to. And that's what I want to do just briefly this morning is explain to you where he was and it will really bring a deeper meaning and understanding to this text of Scripture. I mean, what was going on in Paul's life. And so I'm not going to uh, just spend lots of time there. But I do want to, to turn, if you want to turn with me, make a few. I know this is hard to do at times because we kind of get in a Bible study mode, but I really thought it was necessary. In Acts chapter 16, you can take notes if you want. I'm not going to read full chapters. Again, just stay with me here. And as he's writing Second Thessalonians, I want to bring you up to date as to where he was mentally, where the Word of God, what it was doing, how it was literally affecting people's life, and then we're going to apply it to our life today. So chapter 16, you basically have, he's in the midst of his second missionary journey. Now maybe you've heard that, but I really need to get everyone's attention, both by way of radio, podcast, or if you're sitting in the pew. Do you realize the miles that this man traveled? 
pull up a Google search of Paul the Apostle and take a look at how many thousands of miles he traveled. He didn't travel cities. He traveled continents. He traveled by way of beast. He traveled by way of boat. And this guy was unstoppable when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the whole point, the reality is this. Has the gospel gripped our generation in a way that would move us like it moves Paul the Apostle? It's a wonderful question. What happens is he's on his second missionary journey. His first journey took place and it was about two years in length. Once he had spent time with God, his first journey was two years. He went abroad and touched And quite frankly, every town he come in contact with, there was trouble stirred. Someone come against him. Now he's in his second missionary journey, and he begins to, to move. He's got Barnabas with him. They, the, the believers have prayed over him. He's ended up at a place called a Derby, Lystra and Derby, and he found the young disciple, soon-to-be pastor, evangelist, preacher, Timothy, in this town. And he moves forward, and, and I want to kind of just keep moving. He ends up going to Philippi. Now, can you imagine this guy, like, comes to town, Derby, you know, he finds young Timothy, he's preaching the gospel, there's people being affected, there's also trouble in town, and then he goes to Philippi. When he gets to Philippi, guess what? He again begins to preach the gospel. I mean, and man, they, and before it's over with, they've got him wrapped up, they've got him in jail. Remember the story on, like, they, him, Paul and Silas praise in jail? Remember those? Those aren't just stories that really happened to this guy. Okay, so he went to the next town preaching the gospel, gets put in jail. When they pray, God shakes with an earthquake and begins to just break it up. The jailer's all mixed up, wondering what will happen if he should kill himself because people are being set free. And I mean, this is what literally happened. So every time it's like when Paul goes to town to preach, he almost has to escape town by one form or facet. Are you with me? It's not like the fancy preaching that you see in our day. And I think there's a great contrast to be learned here. The difference of Paul the Apostle in the New Testament uh, to, to the church of our day. You see, the problem with America is not America. The problem in America is the church is the power and the influence for any generation or nation. Our excuse is not Democrat or Republican. Okay, our, our objective of truth and the solidarity to any nation, any government, any people in the world is the rock of Jesus Christ. And if you build your life on it as an individual, as a family, or as a country, you get to be fruitful in God. But if you don't, there's consequences. And so Paul is now facing off as one man, a preacher in these towns against their idolatry and their, their wickedness. I mean, these aren't popular words. If you say idolatry in our day or wickedness, like, whoa, what's the preacher going to preach on? I mean, so let's keep walking through the scriptures. He gets to Philippi. He ends up in jail. Now, let me ask you, if you were whipped and then stuck in jail because you just preached the gospel in town and you just left a town where there was trouble, would you be thinking like, mm, the ministry's not for me? I mean, I'm just asking. You can go home this week and I hope read this text. Read about chapter 15 up through like 18. You'll see the second missionary journey. Like what would be your thoughts? Is there enough in us to keep us going? You know, there's things that cripple us in life, in ministry. But let's take a look at Paul. In, in chapter 17, he's at Thessalonica. Notice something in verse 2. As Paul, his manner was, he went to them under their Sabbath day and reasoned with them out of the Scripture. Almost, almost every town he went to. Do you know how he would do ministry? He wouldn't, uh, like, have a big advertisement. He went right to their synagogue. Now, can you imagine Paul the Apostle coming to the synagogue? It's basically church. Like, he comes to Riverton. So here he comes into the town, walks into the church. Hey, I got something I want to say. 
That's what he literally did in every town, he, almost every town he went to. This guy, later they said about him, these men, the others that traveled him, whether it's Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, these men who have, come, who have turned the world upside down have now come to our city. Like this was a trouble-making ministry that Paul the Apostle had. This guy wasn't bent because of politics or money or groups of people. He was on fire with Jesus. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit is so... In, Okay, i got to quit. I want to preach. But he went to the synagogue. That's marching right up in the church. That would be like Paul the Apostle coming right in the Baptist church, right in the Friends church, where whoever, any local church is saying, here's the gospel. And if you're heir from it, it's a problem. Okay, notice then as he leaves Thessalonica, he then ends up at Berea. Now, he said a great thing about the Bereans. He said the Bereans were no, more noble than those at Thessalonica because they would search the Scriptures to see if it was so. Can I ask you something? As those in the ministry and the church here begin to teach and preach every week, as I preach and share, are you studying this out to see if it's so for your life? Are you making sure the preacher's on track with the Word of God? And on the other side, are we applying what either the pastor or teachers have prayed over and studied all week? There's a reason they do this, not just to excite us. There's enough entertainment in America to turn the world upside down. I'm not talking about entertainment. I mean where men and and those that are called by God to come in and produce a fruit of Him in prayer and otherwise of the Word of God. This matters. Our generation looks toward, you know, how great was the worship? We're worshiping worship. I mean, I'm talking about people who worship God in spirit and truth because they found out Jesus Christ came to the world as God incarnate, born of a virgin, died on a cross, and was raised from the dead because God loved them more than anything else in eternity. And there is no sin in their life, not any amount of sin, all of the sin laid on him at the cross that could keep him in the tomb. And God raised him from the dead so that every person who would ever hear the gospel then could walk uprightly before God and come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Yes. So he goes from Berea. They were noble. I believe you're noble. I'm your pastor. But I love what God's doing here. I don't care what size of a congregation I'm concerned with what sort of a congregation. And you're humble. And you're learning. And your families are growing. And God's given you every opportunity. I've seen miracles this week in prayer. Yes, I'm still staggered by those that I pray for who have not seen the miracle yet. I don't serve God just because of miracles. But I'm not going to quit praying and laboring in these areas for my brethren. Until God answers us. Sometimes you get an answer quickly, and other times your answer comes later. And some of this will mature all of us. If you've been able to ask and not receive for a season, the length he can sometimes withdraw his voice and his answer will prove your maturity. And many times God will use your maturity and your faithfulness to show the light to other believers and to unbelievers of how those who serve God faithfully serve and minister. So he moves from Berea. You now have the Bereans, and then they get rid of him. They had to almost go to him by night. Now, everyone's starting to think now. Don't think too deep because we're still on Paul where he was at before he wrote these verses. What happened, he goes from Berea. They've got to kind of escape him by night. And he's like, well, I don't want to leave until your leader's really second leave. So they take him out to the edge of town like, well, you just kind of, you know what I mean? That's what they did with him. And he's got like Timothy and them are behind, Silas. They've sent him over like, 
it's kind of like one of these deals like, hey, uh, like I don't think you probably should be preaching here tomorrow morning. And so he goes to Athens, and while he's waiting, the Bible said, he's in Athens waiting. Now, you've got Paul the Apostle just waiting, looking around, and it says the Spirit of God stirs him because the city was given over to idolatry. So what do you think this guy's about to do? He starts preaching again, goes to the synagogue, starts, hey, what's going on here? You guys are worshiping some stuff, okay? And then he ends up after Athens in Corinth, was the longest stay that he had. It was like a year and a half he was in Corinth, and he's disputing all of the intellectuals. He's laying out the Word of God from the Old Testament to the, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as he had just come. These, these men, like Paul, were declaring the truth of the resurrection and the, and the display of their own testimony and what God had done in their life. So this is what had happened recently before you read 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 because they tell us historically, and while he's in Corinth for 18 months, he writes back to the believers in Thessalonica. Remember, we were just there. And now he's in Corinth that he writes back twice two letters. The only reason that we have most of the writings, which are letters of the New Testament, is because the church would either need to be strengthened or would have trouble that needed to be addressed by the apostles. That makes sense? So thank God. So when you read this, you find out the church had some trouble. They need to do some adjustment. And so he was at Corinth. Now what had happened? This guy had been thrown out of almost every city he's in. He'd been put in jail. He had been stoned. Here he was. He disputed them, withstood them, preached in the synagogue. They all tried to throw him out of town. Man, would you still be in the ministry after that? Powerful. He was spanning cities. And so when we start talking about planting churches or the groves up north as a result of what God's done, I believe, here and in the association. There's others coming. But like, man, look how ruthless Paul was just for expansion. No matter where he went, he just preached the gospel. Now let's get back to our text in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. How could he do that? Church, how could he do that? Look at the first thing that he does in in chapter 3. Now keep in mind all of the cities he's just come through. All of the trouble. He had been to their city, but he was writing back to some believers. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brother, would you pray for us? Wouldn't you say after what I've just told you that we ought to pray for a brother preaching like this? Would you pray for your pastor? I'll pray for you. But the first thing he said... Hey, uh, by the way, uh, how about praying for us? How about praying for us? Who's the us? It tells you in the first chapter, Timothy and, and those that were with him. Why? Why pray for him? Why? What's he asking for here? He said, pray for us. What? That the word of God may have free course. Hold on, we have to stop there. Paul didn't pray... Ask them to pray so they could have even health and wealth. Pray. I mean, this man had just come through towns, beatings, prison, by night having to go out to the next city, withstood idolatry and witchcraft and the intellectuals of the day. He has been the greatest apologist, teaching the pattern of apologetics for every generation after him. Colossal mind, spoke multiple languages. But he's writing back to those new believers, keep in mind. Pray for us that the word of God may have free course. In the original language, this means pray for us that the word of God may run. What? 
No, pray for us that the Word of God may run. Not What? Pray that it runs. See, Paul had seen the Word of God run. And he had seen some things stop. Now he's going to say, there's some unreasonable and wicked men. Not all people believe. And there's some things that try to keep the Word of God from running. Like, full-blown. This was a guy who knew how to preach on the run. I mean, when he preached, the Word of God ran. Would you agree with me if you read Acts and you get home this week? I'm stirring you to read Acts. You're going to find out when Paul preached, he, when he said, pray for me, the Word of God runs. I mean, not, not kind of hobbles, not limping around. I'm talking full-blown, running Word of God. The kind of Word that when it comes into town and is preached, the whole town's upset and notices. Does that make sense? Everyone in town has to make a decision. When, the, when this preacher preaches Paul the Apostle, everyone has to make a decision. They may make it against him. Some are going to make it for Christ. But he wants to know the word of God. Now, what would keep it from running? Wait. Wait. The Bible said, lay aside every weight that does so easily beset you and run. Run. Lay it aside. He's praying. You new believers, you know, can you imagine what they're saying about him? Man, this is like our apostle. This is the one who preached the word of God. And now I believe. He's writing back to them. Just pray for me. Don't pray that I won't get a beating. Don't pray that I won't be put in jail again. Don't pray that I wouldn't be sent across oceans among false brethren, false apostles in bad towns. Don't pray for me to get a big church so I can get a lot of money and get really comfortable with Americanized Christianity. Don't pray that for me. Just pray that when God sends me wherever He sends me, The Word of God would just run. Pray for me, he's saying. For me. Why? Because there's a tendency in our life for things to weight us down. He said, pray that the Word has free course and runs. A runner can't run with a lot of weight. They can. They won't run very fast. (laughs) I'm not pregnant. It's my 10-pound baby. My Baptist baby, I call it. We eat. We're two or more gathered together. We eat. I do have about 10 more pounds than when I started pastor, and I'm saying that to be funny, but the truth is if you get me out there to run, it's not going to take a half mile, and I'll be going, <gasps> right? Now, if you're in shape and you're a runner, you'll spend a lot of your time paying attention to what you eat, what goes into your body, because it affects your body. Right? I mean, you don't want to just eat a bunch of candy bars, Gatorade, all the things that seem to taste good. You know what I mean? I mean, Krispy Kreme donut, does that not taste good? But if you're going to be a runner, like you can't have this going on to a big degree, you're not going anywhere. I'm being funny, but you know when we get funny, we know I'm headed somewhere. You can't run like that. Paul said, pray for me, the word of God will run, that nothing hinders it. Then later on, he says, lay aside every weight. What are some of the weights? It's a busyness of life. What was the tendency that Paul could have been glorified by some pre-people in in one town even and kind of been manipulated, you know, I don't know. 
But I know that one thing, there must have been enough pressure that he wanted them first, finally, like pray for me, that the Word of God runs and keeps running. And anyone who's seen the Word of God run in their life will want the Word of God to run in somebody else's life. So how do, we be, how do we become the great runner with the Word of God? How do we run with the Word of God in a way? I mean, I think you have to just start looking at everything. There's got to be some disciplines in our life. I can think of the, you say, oh, you mean he got to Athens and Corinth and spot witchcraft and idolatry? Like, we don't have any of that going on. I mean, we're not cutting the heads off of chickens and laying around an altar worshiping the chicken blood. You know what I mean? Like, we're not Africa in the jungle just killing chickens on an altar, so we're not full of witchcraft or idolatry in America? Are you kidding me? No. See, we have like the television. This thing will lay in front, and we'll just worship that all night, won't we? I'm not against watching TV, but isn't, we spend way more time on the television than we do the Word of God in prayer. Paul said, pray that the Word runs. I mean, what's getting heavy in our life? I mean, we've got idolatry called sports. Oh, now it's quiet. Now they just turned the TV knob, the radio knob. Man, I just talked to someone yesterday. It's like, man, they scheduled our practice at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm not interested in what they're going to do. Church, what are you going to do? Are we the light? I'm praying that the Word of God runs in your life, and I'm saying we can't be a good runner with a lot of baggage. I'm not saying we can't play football. I'm not saying we can't play sports. I'm saying if we don't show the world what the reality that, number one, the Sabbath day and Sunday morning, the Bible says that we come together assembling ourselves together more so than any day as you see this day approaching really does matter. Why do we have to go to church? Because the Word of God's taught there. Men as under shepherds are put there to guard your soul. Shepherd your soul when you're in the worst time of your life. Praying for you somewhere in an altar, in their closet somewhere. Because God loves you so much, He wakes this guy up and tells him to go to the closet and pray for those sheep you've got down there they're my sheep my people would you do this and how are you going to take the lord's supper you telling me we can't put up boundaries we're too busy in america i'm saying the word of god's not running not because christ wasn't raised from the dead it's not running because we've given ourselves wholly to idolatrous wickedness and otherwise until we free ourselves our jobs our time on cell phones come on man i watched this prom last night it's so busy. Like our lives were so busy for the last two or three days. But it was so rewarding to just see these, these young students, just beautiful, some from our congregation. Man, the girls were just so pretty, and the men were looking more like men, you know. And man, they, they, they said their names. They come out for a picture here, and I loved it because they come down to the center of the gymnasium, and they got to turn one way and smile. I mean, it was beautiful. And they turned around to the other side of the gymnasium, and, man, they had spent lots of time. And I won't mention names, but we've, like, from our congregation, I'm just watching. They're so pretty. Just look, man, this is fabulous. And when they turn around to the crowd, they would grin. Just a beautiful smile, and everyone's taking pictures. And the whole time, I'm thinking like, eternity, eternity, God, eternity. 
Like only the word of God, only the work of Jesus Christ is going to let everyone smile like this in eternity. There's going to be a day in Jesus Christ that I want my children, your children, all who I preach the word of God to, more than anything, would you pray, would you pray that the word of God just runs in this place? I mean that it runs to the degree that nothing hinders it in our life. That every one of our children and you that I'm ministering to, that all of us in eternity somewhere stand before God and there's this huge grin and God's calling your name in Jesus Christ out of the Lamb's book of life and you're smiling the biggest smile to the audience because you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. This is not just a story. This is the truth of the ages. This is what I'm thinking of. And this text says, just run. Pray that the Word of God would run. Can I ask you, is the Word of God running in your life or is there so much weight? And, and then, so what do I do with that preacher? I mean, some of it's going to have to be cut. Some of it's going to have to have boundaries. Some of it's going to have to say, hey, like we want to do this, but we do this first. Like there's some first things in my life. See, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then other things are added. And when we start seeking first and stripping away, listen, it can happen, church. We can gain a bunch of weight of the world, not realize the word of God's not running, not just for someone else, but it's not running in our life. I mean, how does it run between a husband and wife? How does the Word of God run? It runs. There's a reason. Man, we've, we've got a new marriage here this morning, and I remember giving a charge at the wedding just the other day that, like, brother, you're the protector, provider, spiritual leader. Like, the spiritual leader. And I'm not beating anyone up that doesn't feel like they're not in a place where they can lead, but I'm going to encourage you. I want you to run with your family. I mean, and sometimes you're going to have to say some things in the family like I say in the church, and it's just, it's not always going to be received real well at first. But I think in a period of time as we begin to do it, you see the Word of God run in your life. You see, doing everything that the Americanized system's calling us to do will not produce the happiness like the Word of God will produce in our life and yielding to Him. It doesn't mean that we can't have nice homes and houses and jobs and a cell phone and our kids can play ball. I'm just saying there's some first things that are first. And if we don't make Jesus first in these things, he's never gonna, we're never going to be the light to show someone else what ought to be first in their life because the truth of the matter is we're saying we profess Jesus at times and then we're doing everything the world's up to, putting what they do first, and they're wondering why we look like such a powerless church in the day. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who do you say I am? I say you're the, you are the Christ, the Son of God. He didn't say he would build the rock of the church on Peter. That's where my Catholic friends got it wrong. He didn't build the church on Peter. He built the church on the revelation that Jesus Christ was the rock. Peter was a stone. He's a stone, but a small stone. Jesus is the big rock. And every one of our lives will have to build it on the rock to be the church. And here's what he said about the church. It sounds like Paul's prayer. And the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Not our church. His church. What's the difference of his church and our church? Uh, his church looks like the one that says Jesus is first always. And at any time that something gets in the way or adds weight to me, I have to do something about the weight because I can't run in God if he can't run in me. I want God to run and I need to cut this away. That's what repentance is about. Not just sin where like you're cheating on your wife, you're stealing from somewhere, you're, you're maybe an alcoholic. Or, I'm not just talking about that. What's happened to the word of God if our lives are so busy that God can't ask us to do? something he's wanted us to do and we actually do it 
And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail if you'll build it. The places that you see going forward and forward and running with the word of God are built upon the rock. Those that are built upon men will not run. They will fall. Wow. The question for us today is not, how can I do all of this plus this? How can I have all of this plus the word? The question for us is God. If I put you first, seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, will you really give to me what I came for? And the answer is yes. 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 Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 9.45 a.m. with worship services at 10.45 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 830 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.